Thanks so much for being here. I don't know about you, but I just, I just feel at home when I'm in the auditorium. And, and thank you, because it's like being back with family uh, after uh, a few months of not being here. So thank you for joining us this morning. I'll talk a little bit before we leave today about uh, what the plan is for the auditorium service going forward. So we'll do that right before we dismiss this morning. Do you remember the most difficult conversations of your life? And when I say what's the most difficult conversations of your life, it'd be interesting just to hear what that brings up for you. Just over the holidays, I was thinking about one of the most difficult conversations of my life that happened on a park bench in Central Park here in Pella with my daughter. She was 13. And before this conversation took place, my marriage of 17 years had ended. Life changed in so many ways for all of us. And that 13-year-old on the park bench was trying so hard (laughs) to understand it all and grapple with all of the emotions and all of the thoughts. And at 13, she thought she understood so much and she understood so little. And at 13, she was filled with just so much unbridled emotion that her brain couldn't cognitively process in that moment. And I remember her giving it to me with both barrels. You see, the fruit of my life, the fruit that was part of the consequences of my actions and my words and my life, in that moment were coming to bear. And I knew it. She had a right to her emotion. She had a right to her anger. And everything that she was saying to me was like, I had to receive it. Because I was a big part of the reason that we were having this conversation. And I just remember... I just remember that in that moment of pain, sorrow, and death, even then the Holy Spirit was planting seeds. Because God is a God of life. And God is a God who takes our death and resurrects us to new life. Let's pray. God, open your word, open your heart, open your love, and fill us with it. 
Open our eyes that we may see you. Open our ears that we may hear you. Open our hearts that we may receive you in the fullness that you desire for us. I pray, Lord, for this room. I pray, Lord, for the season that we're entering in. I pray your blessing, your anointing on what you want to accomplish in this room through we who gather here in the weeks and the months to come. May you accomplish your perfect will. And just help us, God, to be good soil for your word to be planted and take root and grow and bear fruit. We pray this as we pray how you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. So where are we going this morning? In one sentence, here it is. When you get divine right, the fruit follows. <laughs> All right? When you get divine right, the fruit follows. Outline of where we're going this morning. We're going to start with the word, and then we're going to go to the word picture. We're going to talk about the way it works. We're going to talk about the warning, and we're going to finish with the welcome. So let's start with the word. And what is the word? The word is love. Darren, in the Advent season, took us to John, the first chapter. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word is Jesus. And yet 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. So if the word is God, then God is love. And if love is God, then God, love is the word. You see how that works? It all mixes together. The word is love. Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 37, love is the word. What is, what is love? Your God, Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And all of the law, all of the prophets hinge on this one Thing, love. And if you get, see, the law, the rules, the thing that God wants of us springs out of the love. But my experience is that we, and I'm going to include myself in this, we as the institutional church, for those of us who were raised in the institutional church, we always get it wrong. Because I can remember... There, were a, there was a long season in my life where we got it reversed. It was like, no, the love springs out of the law. Follow the rules, and he'll lead you to love. Jesus said just the opposite. Out of the love, you understand the rules. Okay? The word is love. Love is the end-all, be-all. So if 
Jesus is the word and the word is God and God is love. And we're supposed to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. Then love is the word. It's all about love. So when the Beatles sing, all you need is love, really we're saying well, all you need is God. See that? You didn't know the Beatles were theologians, but they are. See, God can't help but express himself, and his word cannot help but be perpetuated because God is love. And when we love, we are in God. We are starting a series this week on the fruit of the Spirit. So let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. No law against these things. Who's going to say, no, 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 whatever you do, it's wrong to love. It's wrong to be patient. It's wrong to, no, 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 no gentleness here. There's no law against that. This is, because God is love. We all know that this is good. So if God is love, what is love? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The famous scripture that we've all read before. Love is patient. Oh, well, wait a minute. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Love is kind. Oh, wait a minute. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not, does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. If it's not self-seeking, it's seeking the goodness. There's goodness of others. It is not easily angered. It's not easily angered, it's peaceful and gentle. There are fruits of the Spirit. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It rejoices in the things that are true, which takes self-control. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. It is faithful. So when... Galatians says these are the fruit of the spirits. Joy, let's go to the next slide there. What he's really saying is the fruit of the spirit is love. As, as it is carried out with joy and peace. These are the sub-bullets. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They're all descriptors of the love, which is God, who is the word who came as the light in the darkness at Christmas to show us the way, the way of what? The way of love, which is the one rule. Love God. Love others as yourself. All of the rules, all of the laws, all of life hinge on that. So the word is love. Now let's talk about the word picture. Uh, I did a series of 
podcast here this last year called The Beginner's Guide to the Great Story. And I took each section of scripture and we talked about each section of scripture. But there were three words that I used as kind of the foundation of the conversation around all of those things. Metaphor. Metaphor is something which describes something else without using like or as. So when we say Jesus is the word of God, that's a metaphor. Okay? Jesus is the word. Not like he's not like the word, he is the word. He inherited. God is love. That's a metaphor. God's base language is metaphor. He's constantly using things that we can understand to describe himself, which we can't fully understand. So he uses metaphor time and time and time again, word pictures. Context is understanding the context in which the metaphor is given. And mystery is because God is mysterious. He is exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask, know, or thank. So as we study this word, as we study this great story, we need to constantly understand that we're talking about metaphors, mysteries, and context. So one of the word pictures that we're given in the great story is this. God the Father is a gardener. Jesus is the vine. Now our minds, our hearts, and our souls are the soil. Remember the parable of the the sower? The word was sown, and depending on where the seed landed, the soil was different, and depending on the quality of the soil, the fruit then, or the vine, sprung or didn't spring, the fruit was born or wasn't born. So our heart, minds, and souls are the soil. We are the branches. I was, this morning as I was going through my notes again, I, came to this, I, I thought of this song I was taught when I was a kid, all right? And so I'm going to do my Phil DeBoof impersonation. He's a peach of a savior. He's the apple of my eye. He prunes back the branches when the branches get too high. He bears fruit in season and his love will never die. And that's why I'm bananas for the Lord. (laughs) Glory, glory, we're the branches. Glory, glory, we're the branches. Glory, glory, we're the branches. And that's why I'm bananas for the Lord. There we go. All right. Thank you. <laughs> we here's the thing. We are the branches. He, he is the vine. Here's the thing about the way that God created life. We will bear fruit. We will. Your life will bear fruit. The question is, what will that fruit be? See, we are the branches, and as we go through this life, we are either going to be in divine, or we may be grafted into another vine, or we may choose to be our own vine. So the question is, it depends on the vine, how the fruit is going to come out. Let's go to the next slide. By the way, uh, let's go back. Sorry, Joey. Let's go back one more. Keep in mind that this word picture is throughout Scripture. 
when God uses metaphor, it's just not like a one-time thing. There's usually, it flows throughout the great story. In Psalm 80, verse 8, he said, I brought the vine out of Egypt, which is really interesting because at Christmas time, in the Christmas story, the, Matthew uses Hosea 8, where he talks about, I'm going to bring my son out of Egypt. And he uses that, that this prophetically, Jesus went into exile in, in Egypt when the Herod was trying to kill him, and then brought him out, and he uses Hosea. But in Psalm, it says that I brought my vine out of Egypt, which is cool, because it's the same prophetic word, but instead of being my son out of Egypt, the psalmist uses, I brought my vine out of Egypt. Jesus didn't create the vine. It was there all along. The metaphor had always been there. In Isaiah chapter 5, read it. It talks about the vine. Jeremiah chapter 8, he uses the metaphor of the vine. Ezekiel chapter 15, he uses the metaphor of the vine and the branches and the gardener and the vineyard. So when Jesus said, I am the vine, he was just repeating what God has been saying all along. This metaphor is base understanding of God and how he works. So let's go to how it works. Okay? Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Right? Don't we, don't we all abide by that? Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wait a minute. Love your enemies, those people you can't stand on social media, who are parroting all the things that you think are wrong with the world. Love them. Love your enemies those people in your family that turn their backs on you. Love your enemies, that jerk from high school that I never forgave. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. See, God is love. And his love gets sprinkled out on the good and the bad. But if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Aren't even tax collectors doing that? If I love only the people that love me, how is that then any different than anybody in this world? And God is love and he loves his enemies. That's why Jesus hung on a cross and said, Father, Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You see, when Jesus came to give us life, it was life that is supposed to bear fruit in keeping with his spirit, with his love, with his being. And his love, his life, his spirit, loves even your enemies. It's a different fruit than we see in everybody else. So this is the way it works. 
you can have, we're gonna bear fruit, folks. Now, I remember when, when I was a kid and we would go out to the apple tree and we'd pull apples off the apple tree, there were some apples that were, oh man, perfect, good, without blemish. And then there would be apples that were kind of scrawny and maybe had junk on the outside, maybe, like, and I remember my mom saying, oh, go ahead and keep that. We can make applesauce out of that. We can make, I can make an apple pie out of that. See, we'll just, we'll slice away all the bad stuff and then we'll use whatever's good to smash it and scrunch it and make something out of it. So we're all gonna bear fruit. But am I going to be an apple that's just kind of good for baking? Or am I gonna be an apple that could be served in the king's fruit bowl? What's the fruit of my life gonna be? We're talking about fruit of the spirit because we've been in this series of exile. And one of the things that we're recognizing again is that we as followers of Jesus are finding ourselves increasingly marginalized in our world. People are leaving the church in groves. Increasingly, this world wants to put followers of Jesus down, wants to belittle us, wants to marginalize us, wants to let the world know that for 1,700 years, Christian thought and Christian teaching and has been the status quo, and we, it hasn't worked. Why hasn't it worked? I would submit to you that for a long time, the institutional church has been grafted to the divine of appearances, to divine of performance, to the divine of prosperity, to divine of worldly power and influence, and divine of religiosity. but we haven't been bearing the fruit that God asks us to bear. The pure fruit of love that is described as joy and patience and peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Let's go to the next slide. Take a look here. We're gonna bear fruit. And in Galatians, we talk about the fruits of the spirit, but we often don't go back a few verses and it talks about the, word, the fruit of the flesh. See, that's part of the metaphor. Paul said, if you attach yourself to the branch of yourself or the vine of yourself or the vine of this world or the vine that isn't Christ, then typically the fruit that you're going to bear are things like selfishness and anger and rage and discord and impatience and meanness and immorality and expedience and coarseness and controlling others rather than controlling myself. Let me tell you that for many years, I 
I bore fruit that looked really good to my community, my circles of influence, and humanity. And I, I tried really hard to put forth the perception and to be a good person and to be a follower of Jesus that everyone would admire and it would look all good. But the reason that I ended up on that park bench with my daughter was because the whole time, while I might have been bearing what looked like fruit of love and joy and peace and patience to my community and to my humanity, inside my heart, there was selfishness. Inside my heart, there was immorality. Inside my heart was discord and anger. Inside my family, you could find selfishness and anger and discord, impatience, even meanness, immorality, doing what was expedient for me, coarseness, yep, trying to control others, yep. So the reality was the fruit that was being born in my life may have looked really good on one side, but on the other side, it was shriveled and rotten. And so, so what happened was the fruit of my life in total was not what God wanted it to be. And that's what happens. Jesus came to give us fruit, to bear fruit in our lives that would transform myself. And out of myself would transform my relationship with my family, my relationship with my community, my relationship with humanity. But for a long time, I had grafted myself to myself. Yeah. So then we get to the warning. John 15. This is the night before Jesus was crucified. He said, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. There's the metaphor again. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now you are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Hear that? Remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, it's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves 
to be my disciples. Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. So, Joey, let's go back to that last slide, if we could. Here's our action step for this week. I only got one for you, but it's a big one. I'd like you to be your own fruit inspector. You know, Jesus said, you know, by your fruit, you'll know them. And for, again, for years, I've, I have witnessed as the institutional church has used that as a license to condemn other people. They've used it as a license to say, oh, let me inspect the, let me inspect the fruit of your life. Hmm? Oh, I see some fruit in your life that isn't great. So I'm looking at your speck, ignoring the big log in my own, right? I'm not telling you to inspect other fruit. I want you to start this week by inspecting your fruit. And I'd like you to think about it in terms of these concentric circles. Which set of words describes your self? When you're alone, in the quiet, in the dark, just you and God, and you're all alone, which set of words describes what's going on in your conversation with life? When you are with your family, is the fruit in your family life, in your home, a place, is your home a place of peace or of discord? Is your home a place of love or selfishness? Is your home a place of kindness or meanness? Is your home a place of gentleness or coarseness? And then community, and then humanity, because I have seen people in my, in my experience, and I've known people that have all sorts of different things in these rings. I've known people that claim to have a really good relationship with the vine, and in themselves, they seem to have everything together. But when you get out to community and humanity, there's just anger and condemnation and judgment. I've known people that just the opposite, like myself. The outside looked really good, but the inside was as a complete mess. I've also known people that are really good with self and family and community, but that's where the holy huddle ends. And then when it gets out to people that I don't know, that it's really easy to attack on social media, that's where I go crazy. Because guess what? I love my holy huddle, but those strangers out there, those others out there, those people that don't look like me or believe like me or have the same politics as me, they're stupid, ignorant, foolish, unwise idiots. What kind of fruit is that? And Jesus said in John 15, if I'm not bearing the fruit, guess what happens? I get pruned. Some of us, like, I could sit with my divorce decree and go, God, why? God, why? Why is this happening to me? When the reality was, this is just the fruit. This is the fruit of 20 years of not dealing, not, not getting changed by the vine, of getting it wrong. Sometimes it's just the natural consequence, and sometimes God does the pruning, and sometimes it's a combination. It's a both and. 
and realize that when, Jeremiah 29, when God sent his people into exile, Isaiah said it, Jeremiah said it, Ezekiel said it, all of the prophets said that they said, you are going into exile because God is sending you there, (laughs) because God is pruning the fruit of his vine. God is pruning the branches that aren't bearing any fruit. That's why you're going into exile. So when we think about, hey, God, why are we in this place of exile? Don't be looking to God. Let's look inside. Let's look inside. What is the fruit? One of the things my daughter didn't understand in that park bench conversation was the fact that the pruning had already been taking place. I was already in process. Even in that moment on the park bench, she couldn't see it because all she could feel is the pain of that moment of time. But I knew in my relationship that what was happening inside, there were seeds that were being planted. And God was saying to me in that moment, even in the midst of my failure, my sin, and the consequences, what God was saying to me is, Tom, just stay in me. Just connect. Tom, just keep connected. Keep connected. Learn from me. Understand where I'm coming from. Tom, stay in, remain in me. And they were just seeds at that point. But sometimes when you get pruned, you don't see a lot of life for a long time. This last uh, Christmas week, a couple of weeks ago, we had both our daughters and our grandson, our daughter's husbands in home, and our grandson Milo, three years old, came in about 5, 36 o'clock every morning. We'd hear this pat, 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 door open, and he'd climb into bed with Yaya. And he'd cuddled into, he didn't cuddle with Papa very well, but he, he cuddled into Yaya. And she'd put her arm around him, and I'd cuddle up with him, and we would cuddle there, and then he would, he would chat and jabber. And we were loving it. And so after about a half an hour, all of a sudden the door opened, and our daughter Taylor came in with her cup of coffee, and she just climbed on the bed with us. And then about 15 minutes later, as we were laughing and talking, Madison walked in and she climbed on the other side of the bed with her cup of coffee. And we sat and we laughed and we told stories and we reminisced and we talked about all sorts of things. We cuddled under the blankets. Man, there's a lot of joy. It was a really peaceful moment. that came out of a lot of patience that I had to have as my daughter processed her stuff over 15 years. And kindness. When my daughter in her anger was being mean to me, took some goodness to just keep giving when I wanted to hold it in. I just had to be faithful to loving, being patient, 
But what God did is over 15 years, we went from a park bench to a king-size bed with a cup of coffee. Took 15 years to bear that fruit. But it happened. And my friend, I don't know where your life is at, and I don't know what you're dealing with, and I don't know what the fruit of your life looks like. Guess what? It's not my job. But I can tell you this. When you get divine right, the fruit will follow. Let's pray. I'm going to ask Alan and Rochelle to come on up. One of the things that we're going to be pushing into in this season is, is silence. We want to learn the discipline of silence. So for the next two minutes, we're going to sit in perfect silence and just ask God to speak to our spirit, to do whatever he needs to do in us.